welcome back to Afternoon Tea. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, as you can tell from the title, this is going to be quite a deep conversation. Um, but I just want to put out a foreword of a trigger warning for um, anyone who might be listening, whether you've been diagnosed with an eating disorder or not, or whether you've been diagnosed with body dysmorphia or not, or you've suffered anxiety around food or not. If you are in a bad state of mind, please, please, please don't listen to this podcast. Um, it's meant to be empowering. It's obviously meant to be dispelling the lies and the myths of um, diet culture. But I don't want to put you in a position where you're vulnerable and where you're potentially going to um, feel distressed or begin uh, restrictive behaviour. So I'm putting that out there now. Please, please uh, listen to this if you are comfortable discussing the topic and you don't feel as though you're going to be um, triggered or you're going to have a relapse as a result of this. Um, I will be talking about uh, calories, uh, weight loss, uh, health, all sorts of things like that, and I don't want it to affect you. So yes, that's just my foreword. Um, but anyway, without further ado, um, here are the things that I can't stand about diet culture. Um, so I've decided to speak about this topic today and I didn't really know where to begin because there are so many things. Um, just the world around me, the world that we live in, everything that I was seeing as I was trying to think about these things, like everything everything came sort of like flooding into my brain and then I thought that I'd written down everything I wanted to speak about and I'd, you know, finalised my plan and then I would find, as you do, um in every second of my life suddenly something else came up and something else came up just from things that were going on around me um I've spoken to one of my uh close friends about this uh who suffers uh very badly with uh an eating disorder and is currently in recovery which I'm so so proud of them for um we were both saying how you can't escape diet culture and so I thought that it actually was so um so raw and sort of so um evident that you can't escape diet culture when even when I'd finished writing my list of things just living my daily life something else sort of like cropped up in conversations with people or like walking around supermarkets or literally just looking in shops or just everything everything is is so um I don't know focused on diet culture I guess in our society and I think that um this podcast hopefully maybe you already recognize it maybe you don't but this podcast might open your eyes to just how prevalent it is and the reason why I almost want to raise awareness about it is because um I know so many people who suffer with very disordered eating and I think that we need to become more conscious and more aware of like the things that we say and this is this is myself as well like everyone falls into the trap of doing this but we need to be more aware of the words that we're saying and how they can affect someone and even if we might not think that it's a big deal um I feel like you know you never know who you're around you never know what someone suffered with and it's just better to try and keep these sort of conversations about um food and weight and exercise blah 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 etc 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 out of conversation in case it does potentially trigger someone um 
yeah, so that's that's why I'm talking about this. Obviously, I'm not claiming to be an expert at all. These are just sort of my own thoughts. And I feel like, to be honest, I could probably make a part two or part three and maybe even part four because there are so many things that I want to discuss. But these are sort of, yeah, the things that came up when I was writing things down and also just witnessed. I'm sure there'll be others. But for now, this is what we're going to talk about. So... Yeah, let's get into it, I guess. Um, I hope you've got a nice cup of tea with you. And if at any point you do feel like you want to stop, um, you can absolutely leave. There is no, you know, sort of pressure to stay and hear hear the rest of it because you know it as well as I know it. So, you know, I'm not telling you anything new. And um, yeah, I, I, hope that, I hope that you're well and I hope that you're looking after yourself. Um, so yeah, the first thing that I thought of when I was writing down my plan is um the normalization of calorie talk i know that this doesn't seem like a big deal for most people and i feel like for most people maybe it isn't but there is such a an obsession to talk about how many calories are in things like with friends you know you might see on a packet that it says the calories which again is very triggering for people with disordered eating but that's another thing, but yeah, right, like, right on the front of the packaging, it might say, like, only 129 calories or something, and you say, oh, wow, oh, it's only 129 calories to your friend, and that's almost, like, a positive thing, that, like, the few, the fewer amount of calories it has is, like, a good thing as to why you should eat it, and it's like, oh, wow, like, it's, it's chocolatey, it's, um, you know, it's not a good food, but it's only 129 calories, and so it makes you feel better about things like that, and the 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 brands that I hold accountable for this in particular are brands like Halo Top Ice Cream. Honestly, that brand just every time I see someone eating that, I'm like, someone's got disordered eating. Like I just I literally I cannot with that brand. Like their whole thing is eating, you know, you can eat this whole tub of ice cream and it's only 350 calories. Like I hate that. I really don't like it at all. If you want to go and eat a whole tub of ice cream, who cares how many calories are in it? If you want ice cream, then eat ice cream. Like you're not you're not craving ice cream because your body wants you to, you know, gorge yourself and be ill. You're craving ice cream because you clearly need sugar, fats, calcium, whatever it is. Like you you need it, you want it, your body is craving it. So give yourself the ice cream. Don't half ass it and give yourself some low sugar, low fat, halo top ice cream, like, that's not going to do anything, that'll, that'll just increase the cravings, because it's not giving you the satisfaction that you need, like, don't eat that stupid stuff, like, go and get yourself the snack that you're craving, don't think about how many calories are on it, or don't think that you're being good, because there's only so many calories on it, like, calories do not equate to how morally, (laughs) and, you know, in terms of health wise how how good you are as a person like you can eat whatever you want and that's it like that is it full stop eat whatever you want the normalization of calorie talk is so hard to get away from because we discuss it all the time or even in things like oh wow I didn't realize that this had so many calories in it like everyone says it and it's just one of those things that like slowly becomes ingrained in you like over time people like friends and family saying like, oh, it's only this many calories. Oh, wow, that's so many calories. You start to equate what you're eating with how good you are. And your self-worth is based on how many calories you're consuming a day. And obviously this takes a very 
a specific type of person but I think the more of us suffer with this than we admit to and I think that you are equating how few calories you eat to how good you are so we need to stop the normalization of calorie talk you know the next time that you you go into a supermarket and I get again I'm not saying that I'm perfect I do this still like it's so hard to unlearn these behaviors next time you go into a supermarket and you see something that says only 129 calories or however many calories it is, don't think to yourself, oh, I can eat this because it's few calories and I can still get, what you know, the the cravings, I can still satisfy the cravings. Be like, I can eat five of these, I can eat ten of these and I don't care. I can go and eat something completely different and I don't care. I'll eat Nutella, I'll eat ice cream, I'll eat whatever I want because it's yummy and my body is craving it and it needs to satisfy it. It doesn't want stupid low-calorie low taste this is what my partner says all the time he's always like if it's low fat then it's low flavor and it's so true like eat what your body is telling you to eat and don't question it and don't doubt it like you are you are the sole master of knowing what you need your brain is telling you something please listen to it and don't deny those feelings the second thing I'm going to bring up and I feel like this might be a bit of a realization for people because I didn't even realize this until very recently but so like the pressure in our society to lose weight or to maintain like a low weight leads to constantly thinking about food so I thought that this was normal to like just constantly have food on your mind even a matter of weeks ago like and to an extent this still happens to me I I didn't realize that it wasn't normal so I think I read this on Instagram somewhere um from like nutritionists and uh, people in recovery from eating disorders who are very obviously very knowledgeable about the subject and I always just assumed that it was normal to wake up in the morning and think about what three meals you're meant to be having that day and uh, what time you're going to eat and like and then like you know once you've had one meal you're thinking about the next like I thought that, that was normal because I didn't realize that the reason I was thinking about food so much was because I wasn't giving myself enough food I thought that um, the reason I was thinking about my lunch before I'd even had my breakfast was because I just really like lunch and that's a really nice meal. No, the reason I was thinking about lunch before I'd had my breakfast was my, because my body was crying out for calories and needed food in it and I wasn't fueling it properly and I couldn't see it and I couldn't understand why, why I was so obsessed with food, like thinking about it all the time on social media, like looking at photos of food, people making food, like I could not stop. And to an extent, I, I still like grapple with it. I, I can't stop thinking about food. And then it sort of, you know, dawned on me when I read this post, I was like, surely that's not true. And I looked it up online and it is true. The, the preoccupation with food, you know, within an individual isn't just because they really like food. It's because they're not feeding themselves. And, um, I started to then notice that when I would have days where I'd eat more, I'd sort of trial it out. I'd like eat more food and eat what I wanted and, you know, eat until I was full and satiated. And I'd realised that I wasn't thinking about my next meal because I was full. And that might sound like a completely ridiculous thing to say, but let me tell you that I think so many people struggle with this. And they think it's just meal planning or they think they're just excited about having their favourite food. But trust me, if this is speaking to you right now, you're not eating enough food. You're not fueling yourself properly. Obviously, I'm not saying that 
you know, you'll if you go out for a meal and you like eat loads and loads and then you're still thinking about food, that that's not that's not just because you like food. Obviously that's something different. But if you, you know, feel that you can't stop obsessively thinking about food and what it tastes like and what it smells like and what it feels like to make it and every single meal of the day you're sitting there thinking about what the next meal is and when you can next eat then then you need to eat more trust me yeah I didn't ever think that that was something real but that's what diet culture does to you you know you are just obsessed and preoccupied with food um the next thing which sort of links into the calorie thing is is a pet peeve which again um I spoke to my friend that I referred to earlier about this and we were both in agreement um they said that they absolutely hate the way that food is labeled as bad or good um or like you're you're being naughty for eating bad foods and they said that they were in the um supermarket one day and a child said to their mum oh um can we get these mum and the mum said back to the child, no, we've we've had far too many naughty things this week. And so this is this is a friend who's obviously in recovery. And that was unbelievably triggering for them to hear. Firstly, a, a parent tell like an impressionable child, obviously out of complete mistake, you know, and just not even realising because everything is so normalised. You know, diet culture is so normalised um, that we, we don't know what we're saying, um, when we say it, we don't know the impact of it, but yeah, to hear a parent say to a child that they can't have a food that they like because it's naughty or because it's bad and they've already had too many bad things. My friend said to me, food has no moral value and that is so true. No matter what, um, friends family strangers the internet media tell us about food you can eat what you want and it does not change what you're like as a person eating so-called bad food fast food pizza sweet things does not make you bad it's just food it doesn't make you you know the sort of connotations of it um you're lazy or you're unhealthy or any of this stuff obviously eating you know high fat foods in excess will eventually make you unhealthy but eating what you want is the right thing to do and no food is good or bad all foods are just food they're food and they fuel you and they have a purpose and there is a time for vegetables and there is a time for cake and there is a time for soft drinks and there is a time for coffee and there is a time for alcohol and you should not be equating your worth to that I really really I really can't stress this enough how important it is to have a day of you know just a normal day of eating for you whatever that looks like and then at the end of the day you you shouldn't be thinking to yourself oh I I ate really badly today or I ate really well today the food that you ate was what you wanted to eat and needed to eat because it's what your body needed and that is good there is only good from that okay and yeah I just I think it's one of those things that you know, labelling food as good and bad, it starts so early in our lives, you know, like, from such a young age, we learn that the bad foods are the sugary soft drinks and the cakes, and the good foods are the vegetables and the grains, 
and it's so um worrying I guess that we've never really realized as a society that it's that dangerous to to label things that way because in schools we're all taught about what the good and the bad foods are and we're told that we need a balanced diet but equally we're also told that we need to have like less of the bad foods and more of the good foods so it's it's you know it's quite contradictory in its message it needs to be balanced but don't eat bad foods or <laughs> you can only have one day of bad foods and linking into this this is something that um happened to me as a child which again this is you know in no way my parents fault it's literally just a product of our time but we we weren't allowed sweets during the week and so on a Saturday it was sweetie day and there was no food other food that was labeled as being good or bad like there was no oh it's apple day there was no oh it's it's fish day it was just sweetie day that was the day where you could have the bad food and for me as a child I think that really in my mind I equated sweets to being naughty and like as a treat and you can't eat them otherwise you'll be unhealthy and all this and that's just not the truth you know if I want sweets then I'm gonna have sweets I deserve sweets you know like no matter what I'm doing in my day whether I've been really active whether I haven't been active at all whether I've been studying or not just seeing friends seeing family if I want sweets then I'll have sweets and that is good (laughs) right I feel like this is such a um, I want to say I don't know I don't know whether it's sort of like me preaching preaching to the converted maybe because I know that a lot of you are far more wise than I have been in my years but um yeah we'll we'll carry on we'll see we'll see how it goes um obviously linking in with the idea of foods being labeled as good and bad is the association of weight with health and this is another one that honestly gets me. This just, it drives me absolutely insane. You know, there's a reason why um, someone who is um, unbelievably thin will have, uh, you know, lots of deficiencies and uh, will look very ill. And that's because they are ill. And yet we're told in our society, in this diet culture society we live in, the thinness equates to health thinness does not equal health health has no size you can be healthy at any size and that is proven because if you go to the doctor and you do a blood test and they tell you that you're healthy you're healthy you don't need to you know listen to what the media are saying about how everyone should be a certain weight or how you need to have the right amount of curve and still have a flat stomach you don't need to listen to any of that because it's not true it just isn't everybody's body has a weight which is the weight that they can maintain and that is like you know that is their perfect their sort of ideal weight you know the weight at which their body functions the best so think about it that way if you were to lose lots and lots of weight and let's say that previously you'd been, your weight hadn't fluctuated much, you just, you know, stayed around whatever weight it is. If you were to lose that weight, your body wouldn't be performing its functions properly, and it wouldn't be sort of optimal. It wouldn't be the optimal conditions for you to live in. So don't, don't think to yourself that just because someone says on, you know, the news that, we should all be striving to be like this or that 50 years ago women were on average you know had four inches less around their waist that that suddenly that we should revert to that our diets are different to how they were back then 
the way that we live our lives is so different to how they were back then. We as humans are still evolving. So please do not equate thinness to health. And obviously, I know that none of this sounds very scientific. Um, but I did um, look up a study based on this. I had I looked up whether it's more, um, whether it's um, less healthy to be underweight or overweight. And the studies all say that underweight people have a greater risk of death than obese people. A study in Toronto published in an academic journal found that you, if you are underweight, you are twice as um, likely to die than if you are obese. And that, I think, stands alone. You know, most people aren't severely underweight or severely overweight. Most people fall in the normal category, but we are constantly encouraged to lose weight in the fear that if we if we gain weight, if we're bigger, if we take up more space, then we're going to die. And it's just not true. Obviously, in there are circumstances where people do pass away from being very overweight and shows like my 600 pound life you know, they glorify that and they sort of capitalise on, um, you know, showing what it could be like if you're really overweight. But equally, if you're underweight, you're more likely to die than if you're overweight. So don't listen to what you're being told, the narrative you're being fed, fed about how you need to consume, but also stay thin. You do what works for you and what suits your body. But what suits your body is listening to it and staying healthy and optimizing your body's functions and that is maintaining a good weight for you a weight where you're not fluctuating up and down fluctuating up and down and you're not struggling to you know um stay under a certain calorie limit or whatever or you know get over a certain calorie limit it's what works for you so don't listen to anyone who tells you otherwise Another thing um, is sort of, I guess it's sort of, is similar to the way that we uh, fetishize being, being underweight or being thin. And this is the idea that um, the same way that weight and health are associated, it's like self-control and it's association with food. And you've probably heard people say this like, oh, I can't stop myself around those chocolates or, oh, I just can't control myself. Like once I have one drink, you know, like I, I can't stop. And the thing is, is that it's almost, we're taught as a society that we should be envious of the person who declines chocolate and sweets. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about this, actually, like a personal experience. So when I was younger, and I guess still to some extent today, um, I used to think that if someone else offered me sweet foods, I was allowed to accept them. So I wouldn't feed myself sweet foods. But if someone else offered, then it was okay because I didn't want people to know that I wasn't giving myself what my body needed. But I also was like, oh, if someone else says it's fine, then it is fine. But I'm not allowed to decide that for myself. So I was, you know, never the person who would say no to sweets and chocolate. I would always be like, yes, yes, because I wasn't getting it anywhere else. And I was so jealous of people who could say no because I, I assumed that everyone was like me and everyone wasn't getting sweets and chocolate any any other time. Like they weren't getting much fat into their bodies. They weren't getting um, sugars into their bodies. So I thought, well, if every everyone else is able to decline it, like I would see people who'd be like, oh no, I'm okay, thanks. I don't want any cake. And I wouldn't be able to say no. And I just thought that they had this unbelievable willpower 
and like self-control and they were such a disciplined person and again I equated that to them being a good person and then being like a morally superior person to myself obviously I had no idea what they were eating maybe they were suffering from disordered eating and weren't having sweets and chocolate ever maybe they just didn't fancy it maybe they eat a lot of sweets and chocolate in their spare time maybe they don't like sweets and chocolate like I have no idea what the the circumstances were but I applied my own situation or brain to their context and I I decided that if everyone else can decline it or even if like one person decline it and everyone else says yes to sweets and chocolate that they are they are able to control themselves and they are good and they are better. Um, so moving on from that point, something that is completely overlooked is, um, and this is going to be another sort of personal story about this, is uh, the idea that you have to be underweight to have disordered eating, like to suffer with disordered eating. And the reason why I bring up this point is because I remember when I was in school, we had these, um, I think, I don't know if they were sort of like eating disorder, charity people or something. They basically came in and um, they were like asking us questions. And one of the questions was, uh, can you be a normal weight and have um, anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, generally disordered eating? Um, and so obviously we all said yes and they were like no Uh, to have an eating disorder you have to be underweight and I don't know if like I don't know if things have changed since then that was probably like 2015 or so I don't know if things have changed since then I really hope that they have because well firstly you can have an eating disorder and still be a relatively normal weight um, you know, disordered thoughts don't just manifest in you losing weight. Like, that's the um, symptom of an eating disorder, not the diagnosis of, not diagnosis of an eating disorder, um, which I've actually learnt over the years because I was convinced that they were actually right, um, which they weren't. And secondly, that just goes to show that in the society we live in, it is completely okay for someone who's overweight to drastically lose weight, you know, and let's say go from, oh, I don't know, I, I don't even know what clothing sizes are normal or not normal. Um, so well, let's just say that they suddenly uh, drop 50 pounds, right? They will be congratulated for losing all of that weight because they'll now be what's classed as a normal size, right? But the only difference between someone, you know, you can't see obviously what's going on in their brain. The only difference between someone who's doing that and someone who does it and is diagnosed with an eating disorder is that the person who's diagnosed with an eating disorder starts off relatively small in terms of their size or they become underweight and I just I think that's so sad that you'll be celebrated and congratulated for losing the weight and it's only seen as an issue once you drop into the underweight category 
you know, like you could be just above underweight or you could be, you know, what others would perceive as maintaining a healthy weight, a healthy weight in inverted commas. But as I said earlier, there's no such thing as a normal healthy weight because everyone's weight is different for them. So if you're naturally bigger and that's what your body is comfortable with and you're having disordered thoughts about eating and you're restricting and you're purging and you're losing all this weight and you're shedding it, it's spurring you on having people tell you how good you look because, you know, it's it's celebrated as though you've done something good, but someone who's a smaller size will receive the help they need. Someone who loses even more will receive the help that they need or someone who starts, you know, at what is classed as a, 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 a lower weight and then drops will receive the help they need. And that makes me so sad because I, I think, and I've obviously I've spoken to people about this too, but I think there are probably so many people who have undiagnosed eating disorders because they didn't fit into the category of underweight and who's to say what is underweight if you're underweight for your body and what it needs needs to be at to work its best and you're having disordered thoughts then you've got an eating disorder similarly if you're not losing weight but you've got disordered thoughts and you're consumed by thoughts about food then you've got an eating disorder it's so it's it's almost like you can tell that I guess that people who came up with these strategies for diagnosing um, certain types of eating disorders had ne- have never had an eating disorder themselves because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. That's just the thing about diet culture. It literally is, like, diet culture is essentially a one-size-fits-all. Like, we all need to look the same. All our bodies should work in the same way, no matter what we're like no matter what size they are so we should all be thin we should all be aiming to be thin and be restricting and showing showing restraint and discipline and all this and control and I just can't stand it I can't stand it you know I just want I just want whoever's listening to know that no matter what you weigh your your feelings are valid and I'm sorry if this is you that you're not being taken seriously enough by people around you if people are saying that oh yeah well you maybe you could drop a few pounds like and encouraging the behavior or instead of telling you that you don't need to do that and I'm sorry equally if you can't um go to a doctor because you feel like they'll just look at you and laugh because you're not the right size to have an eating disorder. I'm so sorry. I think this um, this idea, it feeds into the, the whole narrative that you have to be sick enough for treatment. That's basically what diet culture tells us, that you can, you can um, be an, uh, a relatively normal weight, um, but it doesn't matter how bad the thoughts are in your brain and it doesn't matter how obsessive and how controlling you are with food. You're not sick enough until you reach society's standard of underweight. You know, like you have to fit into that mould of being underweight. You you don't look anorexic, you don't 
look bulimic. You don't look like you've got a binge eating disorder. There is no sense to it. And I'm so, so sorry that that's how it is. And I want it to change. And luckily, I do know so many good people who um, are working really, really hard to change this for us. Because I don't want young boys and girls to grow up in a world where they're told and they're congratulated um, on their weight loss. They're, They're told how great they look when they're actually suffering a lot. No matter what size they are, I don't want people to have to suffer in silence and for their problems to not be taken seriously because someone else has decided that you have to be under this weight to be classified as underweight. Yeah, I'm really sorry. It just makes me... It makes me very angry. And I just think that people don't know enough about this. I think that this point especially, the what an eating disorder looks like, and basically that, like, the, you know, the diet culture ingrained in our society has conditioned what an eating disorder looks like, as opposed to the sufferer, the victim you know, defining what it looks like. That makes me sad. Um, there's also something that I guess this is, this is quite interesting. I sort of feel like I might have a controversial opinion on this and this is sort of linked into recovery. I find it, I don't, I wouldn't say I find it hysterical, but I find it quite amusing that we um, in recovery, like nutritionists and therapists and doctors, um, have decided that there's this thing called intuitive eating. Don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is basically you eat what you want when you want. You eat what your body needs. You eat what your body is telling you that it needs. But what is so ironic about it is that because we live in a society that promotes disordered eating so much and promotes dieting so much that we even have a thing called intuitive eating in a world where you're not pressured to look a certain way, you're not told what you can and can't eat, you're not told how many calories are in this, how many calories are in that, how much exercise you should be doing to burn off the, the food you've eaten. In a world where that doesn't exist, intuitive eating is eating. It's just eating. You're just eating food. You're eating what you want and eating what you need. It's such a primal thing for us to listen to our bodies and give it what it needs but it's almost like it's flipped it's almost like our society has become so disordered and so obsessed with food and weight that now to eat normally has a term it's intuitive eating it's not just eating it's intuitive eating and I just think that that is so crazy and it shows how messed up like this whole thing is. It shows how ridiculous um, diet culture is. I don't want to live in a world, and I'm pretty sure that you don't either. I don't want to live in a world where waking up in the morning and deciding that you want a banana and some Nutella on toast is classed as, e- as eating intuitively. I want to live in a world where 
people who need help get help and their problems are taken seriously no matter their size and you just eat that is what I want so much So, this topic just gets me. I'm honestly tearing up. It just makes me really, really sad. Because I think that it's... You know, people say that eating disorders are so prevalent. But they're even more prevalent than we think. Because we only class the thin people as the people who have eating disorders. And that's not true. You know? There are so many more undiagnosed eating disorders out there. And I know so many people who've gone through so much to have healthy relationships with their bodies and with food. And every day they're bombarded and we're bombarded with messages about like what we should or shouldn't eat and how we should look. And it just really gets me down, you know? But I just want to tell you that no matter your size, no matter how much you do or don't eat, if your relationship with food is taking up space in your head, if you're avoiding social gatherings because you don't want to eat in front of people or you don't want them to judge you, or if you think that you can't wear certain things because of your size, along with like a whole host of other potential problems, like if you're, if you're having intrusive thoughts about food and body weight and, you know what your body looks like and you know you know if this is you and I feel like this hasn't this podcast hasn't even gone out yet but I can feel it touching people you know that I'm talking to you if this is you please 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 seek help or even like you could even message me honestly because I don't I don't want anyone else to have to go through the pain of um being denied help and I don't want to see another person that I care about or anyone you know have to go through this and have to go through it alone and have to battle this world alone the thing is about eating disorders is that like yeah you get better and the disordered thoughts will go away after a lot of hard work a lot of hard work and it may take years but the diet culture never goes away like it's always there and it's in your face and like my friend and I said we were like when are we ever going to escape it like you can't get away from diet culture so if you need help please reach out and I think that this podcast episode will probably make you aware of some of the things that you had already noticed but hadn't put names on um I think this podcast will also um, spur people on to start challenging their own disordered thoughts um, but yeah you can message me about anything and I'm always here as I said I'm not an expert this is purely from what I've seen from my own experiences and from friends experiences but we need to we need to tackle this and yeah like I said I know so many great people uh, with so much experience who are trying to do exactly that and are trying to rid rid society of its plague of diet culture but if you need help then let me know and I'm always here
this was quite an intense um, episode. So if you need some time to reflect or to journal or just like, you know, some time to be by yourself or to sit with a friend and chat, then do it. I encourage conversations so much, like speak to people about what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And yeah, again, I'm always here. If you've listened to this episode and you feel like you want to chat to someone, then I am, I'm here and I'm open and I will never, ever, ever, you know, tell anyone if that's not what you want. I'll never betray trust. I'm just here if you need some kind words of encouragement. If you've made it this far, then it has been a bit of a roller coaster. I know it's been high and low, some anger, some sadness, some encouragement. Um, but thank you so much for being here if you have made it all the way. Um, I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of us for consciously moving forward um, and navigating this strange world we live in. Um, I'm sure that you have as much hope as I have that we will tackle this problem in our society and we'll make it a safer and better place for future generations uh, to grow up without fear or shame of what they look like but yeah thank you so much for being here um it's been lovely it's been great and it's definitely taken a weight off my shoulders because I think I feel like all these thoughts are going around in my head constantly um I'm always thinking about food um in this sense and like how it impacts people and so I feel like I've finally been able to get that out Thank you for being here and I'll see you next time on Afternoon Tea.